Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Soledago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about chocolate, its health benefits, its history, and how it's processed. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. talk about chocolate. I'm inspired uh, from Valentine's Day, of course, so there's probably a lot of chocolate going around, and chocolate is made from the plant cacao, otherwise called cocoa, and I think cocoa is just a derivation from the species name cacao. And so cacao, Theobroma cacao is the botanical name, which means food of the gods. Theobroma does, that is. And it would seem that cacao is derived just from its original name, from where it was originally grown in Mesoamerica and eventually just turned into cacao. And it's in the Malvaceae family or the Mallow family and really has an interesting history. I mean, it's such a wonderful food that has grown in popularity. It really hasn't expanded into Europe and then, you know, out of Latin America until the past 500 years. And as far as we know, I mean, I think that some of the history of the origins of cacao is a little foggy, but we know that at least for 4,000 years, humans have had relationship with it. And I would imagine even longer than that, but it seems like that's when we start seeing writings or drawings of it on pottery. And we know that it is from probably ancient Mesoamerica, present-day Mexico, uh, is where the first cacao plants were found, although there's also thought of it even being from the Amazon River Basin and then was brought north to the Olmec people in 1000 BCE which would be more in the Mesoamerica area. And then there's also thoughts that maybe it originated in Venezuela. So I'm not really sure. The Olmec were one of the earliest civilizations in Latin America, and they were known to be the first to turn cacao into chocolate. And it was a drink um, that they would use as medicine and in religious ceremony. Centuries later, the Mayans believed chocolate to be the drink of the gods. Maybe that's where the name came from, Theobroma, or the concept of the name of Theobroma came from. 
And it was made by the Mayans. It was made into a brew where it was roasted and ground cacao seeds that were then mixed with chilies and water and cornmeal or maize. And then it was poured from one pot to another, back and forth, back and forth, to create a thick foaming beverage, which was called zokalatl, or bitter water. Sorry for my pronunciation of that. Uh, The Maya believed cacao was given to them by the plumed serpent, treated the plant with great respect based on that. Mayan folklore tells us that when the relationship between man and nature goes awry, cacao will emerge from the forest and restore harmony to all mankind. I wonder if that has something to do with the feel-good chemistry that's in the chocolate that just kind of makes everything feel a little better and eases stress and general and anxiety. In the 15th century, the Aztecs used cacao beans as currency, and chocolate was considered a gift from the god Quetzalcoatl, and it was drinking as a refreshing beverage, an aphrodisiac, and also to prepare for war. An Aztec legend tells of Quetzalcoatl, the god of wisdom and knowledge, who lived in the land of gold. And one day, he brought the cacao tree from a mountain and taught the people how to grow the beans into trees. He also taught them how to harvest it and how to grind the beans and turn them into food and beverage. Quetzalcoatl became their king and high priest, In human form, he had fair hair and a beard, and one day he declared that he was returning to the place of the gods, but vowed to return in the year one reed. And interestingly enough, the legend goes that the explorer Cortez actually came to that area, and he was Spanish, and that right around the year one read, and so he was considered to potentially be this god and was treated that way and was shown this, offered this chocolate drink. And then I'm sure lots of bad stuff went down and, you know, as the colonizers (laughs) came into these, cultures and took what they wanted, including the chocolate. And so it was thought that Cortez brought the chocolate back to Spain and served it there. And it became really popular, but kind of secret in Spain for a long time. And it hadn't actually made its way to Spain until 1528 is when Cortez brought it back. And for a hundred years, it stayed pretty much well hidden among the wealthy in Spain. It was so well hidden, it was said that at one point, pirates that were seizing a Spanish ship found what they thought were bags of sheep dung and burned the ship in anger when they were really searching for gold or spoils from war. But really, in the ship, it was just full of chocolate or cacao beans. And then in 1615, it was introduced to France through a uh, marriage. So King Louis VIII married Anne, daughter of a Spanish King Philip. King Louis, I guess is how you pronounce it since he was French. So King Louis VIII. And to celebrate, she brought samples of chocolate to the royal court. And from there, it really grew in popularity. The French um, expanded it to Britain, and Britain developed these special chocolate houses, where I would imagine just like coffee houses, but they were chocolate houses, so you could go and just drink hot chocolate or imbibe in chocolate. And as the trend grew, many European nations, of course, decided to set up their own cacao plantations in countries along the equator. And from there, the rest is history. And 
in the Industrial Revolution, the whole processing of cacao into chocolate really changed and became quite industrialized, or I should say mechanized, perhaps. And so here we are today with this wonderful, delicious food uh, that has spread around the world and has become a favorite of many people. And it has some great health benefits to it as well. It really can be considered a health food, interestingly enough. And we'll get into that in a minute. But it reminds me of the movie Sleeper with Woody Allen. I don't know if you've, if you're as much of a nerd as I am, but I used to watch that movie quite a bit in my teen years because I thought it was really funny. And there's a really funny part where you know Woody Allen comes back from the, or he he's frozen in the past and wakes up in the future, and so the whole movie takes place in the future, and he's being reintroduced to current modern concepts. And one of these outlandish concepts that they're presenting with him is that chocolate was actually now a health food. (laughs) And I remember when I was watching that movie back in the early 90s, or whenever it was, late 80s, early 90s, that I was like, oh, no way, chocolate's not a health food. But here we are in the future. And yes, it has definitely been reestablished as a health-promoting food, especially when you eat healthy types of chocolate. But I'd like to talk a little bit actually about the plant and the harvest before really diving into the health benefits of it briefly. So chocolate um, cacao is actually grown on a tree, and you would never... Looking at the tree, if you didn't already know it, you'd be really shocked to know that like that would eventually become through processing um, these chocolate bars that we have grown to love or hot chocolate. So it's a, a tree. I feel like they're relatively small trees, or maybe that's just how they're pruned in agricultural ways. Um, and it will take them about five to seven years to fruit. So if you are, you know, farming them in warm locations, the place I saw them being farmed was in Costa Rica, but they can take, um, you know, it's an investment of time, five to seven years. But after that, you can get about two crops per year. It takes about five to six months for the fruit to ripen and to be ready to harvest. The chocolate, the cacao itself, is extracted from the bean, uh, the seed of the fruit. The fruit itself kind of looks like these large pods that can actually become as large as a football. And they have a sweet, juicy, kind of sticky white pulp inside that wraps around, that's kind of all meshed in the middle. And then there's also like that pulp also wraps around each bitter seed. And I guess in the wild, like the monkeys really enjoy eating the pulp, but then they don't like the seed. So they would spit out that bitter seed and then it would grow in the wild. And that's how the populations would spread, which is interesting biohack of the cacao plant in and of itself and a really interesting symbiotic relationship there. But in agricultural settings, these pods are harvested and then the seeds are taken out in the pulp, but the seeds still have these white, sweet, sugary coatings around them. And so to release the seed from that sugary coating and also to help produce some of the flavoring agents that give cacao the flavor that we love so much and some of its added nutrition surely is that that whiter out coating gets fermented and it goes through both anaerobic and aerobic fermentation process and to start that Traditionally, and I think even today, the beans are often covered with banana tree leaves, and that allows the bacteria to start this a five-day fermentation process. And then after that, uh, the beans are dried to about 6% 
moisture, which is about another six days, and then they are shipped from the farms to get roasted, to all, which also is an important aspect of their flavor. So the fermentation, I think, is really interesting because um, just thinking that that chocolate is actually a fermented or the result of a fermented food, and it actually goes through lactic fermentation first, and then it has a different fermentation second. So not only does it is it essential to the flavor development, but also to the final acidity of the cacao beans. Without the fermentation, the cacao would have no flavor at all, potentially, and definitely not a flavor that we would recognize as being chocolate. Of course, it's not actually the beans themselves being fermented. Like I said, it's this um, outer white pulp that is being fermented. And it's fermented by uh, yeasts and bacteria and enzymes all together that come, you know, just naturally. Sometimes they're inoculated, but all of those can just kind of come naturally. And the, the fermentation process also produces a lot of heat as well. So the pulp originally is sterile before it's removed from the pod, but then naturally occurring yeasts and bacteria find their way to the pulp of the pod, either through, like I said, microbial inoculants from a variety of sources in the local environment, um, which could include uh, just from what's on the outside of the pod itself or on workers' hands, from visiting insects, or just simply yeasts that are floating around in the air. And I would imagine that probably yeasts that grow on these banana leaves and bacteria that are placed on top as well. So it's different, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there's a whole science and also like terroir around the whole fermentation process and that's different in different places. But generally speaking, all cacao fermentation follows a similar process, um, including an anaerobic phase and an aerobic phase. And these are all influenced by a multitude of factors, including like the ripeness of the pod, the climate and the weather conditions at the moment, the pod quality, the batch size. And so as you can imagine, like all of these aspects of what is going on at the time that the chocolate, the cacao beans are being fermented is going to change slightly um, and add variation to the quality and the flavor. So at first they're all kind of piled together in the anaerobic phase and then in the aerobic phase they get turned and aerated so the air can have access to them and that's when a lot of the heat is produced as well. And so then you're left with the raw cacao beans that have a bitter and astringent taste due to their high phenolic content. The anthocyanins in one group of the polyphenols, but also contributes to astringency and provide the reddish, like it has a reddish purple color, which is that anthocyanin color. So really high in antioxidants at that point. And then the fermentation allows for enzymatic breakdown of proteins and carbohydrates inside the bean, which really help to create the flavor development. It's aided by the microbes, which then create the perfect environment through the fermentation for the cacao pulp surrounding the beans. A fermented cacao bean won't taste like cacao nibs. For that, you actually then need to dry and then roast the bean after the fermentation, but the fermentation is an essential process to create the chemical compounds that are associated with that really desirable chocolate flavor. So it's very, I don't know, I find it very interesting. So there are quite a bit, like after that fermentation process, there's a lot of really nutritious aspects that are created and and accentuated in the cacao beans. So they're extremely nutritious, actually. They're very high in minerals like iron and magnesium, 
copper and manganese and potassium and zinc. Um, plus, they also have a lot of um, antioxidants, like a lot of antioxidants, polyphenols, flavonoids, including flavanols, catechins, anthocyanins, even more polyphenols than what are found in both tea and wine. So hot chocolate is actually providing more antioxidants if it's like a really nice dark real hot chocolate, cup of hot chocolate, than a cup of black or green tea or a cup of wine, a glass of wine. And then there are a couple other um, and more, obviously, chemical constituents, but the two uh, best known in the cacao is the theobromine, which is, you know, kind of more of the lines of it's a stimulant, but it's kind of one of these feel-good chemicals, and then the caffeine. It does have a small amount of caffeine, not as much as in uh, tea and coffee, but a little bit. But the theobromine has a similar effect to the caffeine, but it's not as, um, you know, as intense or leading toward the jittery anxiousness that caffeine can lead to. So I want to get into all of the wonderful health benefits that cacao offers us. Uh, first, I just want to do a shout out and a thank you to the two sponsors that are supporting this podcast at the moment. I want to um, thank them for giving me a little bit of money, which helps to kind of, you know, pay for the time and effort that I put into making the pod and um, sharing it with you. So I know kind of listening to ad advertisements on podcasts can be a little annoying and I am always hesitant about it. But at the same point in time, you can think of it as well, these, these companies are helping to provide you with a free herbal podcast or herbal class every week, and they're also helping to support me and um, kick me down a little spending cash because, let's face it, I could use it, <laughs> as could we all these days, I'm sure. Um, so the first sponsor is Way, pronounced Way, but spelled O-U-A-I, and they make skin products. You can uh, quench your thirsty winter skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Way Melrose Place Body Cream. It's fast absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. It provides hydration that lasts and prevents dryness. It's high quality nourishing ingredients like squalane, coconut oil, kupuasu, butter, and coconut oil. Experience the new Way Melrose Place body cream and body cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, code B-L-E-A-V. And I want to thank the second sponsor this week, What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for. To give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. And plans start at under $4 a month. 
So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So now back to cacao and the many health benefits that it offers. So that we're talking about like real dark chocolate, so a minimum of 70%, and anything up from there is great. So not milk chocolate, definitely not white chocolate. And I would say, you know, besides it being nutrient rich, I would say one of the the standout things is that it's loaded with antioxidants and those antioxidants have broad reaching effects throughout the body. In general, they really help to benefit heart health. They support immune health. They um, help us to age more gracefully. So the whole idea is like you have free radicals in your body that kind of run around and can kind of cause cellular breakdown and damage and aging. And then you have antioxidants that actually help to kind of block the free radical damage in your body. And so you want your ratio generally of antioxidants to free radicals. You want more antioxidants and less free radicals. So the more antioxidants you can consume, uh, the better health you will be in in a lot of different areas. Um, so antioxidants generally also help to prevent uh, cancers. They can prevent, you know, mental breakdown. They can uh, reduce insulin resistance. So there's a lot of different ways that the antioxidants work. So let's talk also specifically about the antioxidants in chocolate and cacao and how they can help us. So number one, excellent heart health food, which is really fun that we give people boxes of chocolates that are in heart shaped and that it's kind of this herb, this, yeah, I guess it could be considered this herb or food of love. It does have some aphrodisiac qualities to it, which I think is another reason why it's given at Valentine's Day a lot. Um, And it has these like feel good, chemicals in it. Ask any PMSing or most PMSing woman or ask me whenever I'm PMSing, like that's the first sign to me that I'm PMSing is that's like, I must have chocolate. I don't even know why, but I just start craving chocolate like crazy. And I think part of it is all of the minerals and especially the high iron. It's actually been shown to help reduce anemia. Um, But also these like kind of calming and soothing and um, stress-relieving properties as well. So for the actual heart of the health, so it improves blood flow to all of our extremities, which is actually possibly one reason why it's an aphrodisiac, Um, but it also can improve blood flow to our brain and even our scalp, so it can help with hair health and growth as well. More blood flow to the scalp creates healthier hair. It is known to help reduce the risk of heart disease, including heart attacks and strokes. And so heart disease is like the number one killer in the United States. So any herbs and foods that we can incorporate into our lifestyle that promote healthy heart and that can help to reduce our risk of heart disease, the better. And how lucky are we that chocolate is one of those foods that within moderation and that it's a dark chocolate that we could include into our diet for heart health. Cacao has also been shown to uh, help lower high blood pressure and just modulate blood pressure in general. I don't know that it would actually like lower already low blood pressure. I don't really feel like herbs work that way, like drugs would, but generally to help maintain healthy blood pressure levels. 
And that ties in with how it helps to improve the flow of blood and kind of like helps to relax the veins and arteries that carry the blood. Also, uh, the benefit of raising good cholesterol levels in our body and reducing the bad cholesterol levels in our body. So again, modulating um, and bringing us towards healthy states of cholesterol, which is really important in the redu reduction of risk of heart disease. And then not only that, but all of the antioxidants, you know, help to also protect the arteries from getting clogged with hardening of the arteries and from the cholesterol buildup inside them. Diabetes type 2 prevention. Um, again, and I said this last week, and I'm I just feel like all so many herbs and spices, especially food herbs, I said this about sage, all, you know, cinnamon and all these like spices that we would normally put in our food and chocolate itself too, really helps to reduce insulin resistance and prevents or then also slows the rate of diabetes too from coming on. Again, this is dark chocolate. It's not like milk chocolate or hot chocolate that's loaded with sugar. That probably wouldn't be helpful. But little bits on a daily basis, like a square or two of like a really nice dark chocolate could be really helpful. There was a small Italian study uh, with a few with I don't know how many participants were in it, but they ate a candy bar's worth of dark chocolate once a day for 15 days, and they saw their potential for insulin resistance drop by nearly half. The flavonoids, which are antioxidants in the dark chocolate, um, are thought to create a gas called nitric oxide that helps control insulin sensitivity. So that I find to be very interesting. Brain function. So as I was saying, it helps bring circulation and blood flow to the brain. Also in part to these uh, stimulants of theobromine and caffeine can also really help um, brain cognition and function. And also that it surprise, uh, supplies monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. And you know, our brain, I heard somewhere along the line, a while ago that our brain is like 60% fat. And so we want to be eating healthy fats to help improve brain function and cognition. And so it's also been shown to help improve cognitive function in elders, especially those that have mental impairments already. Now, here's an interesting uh, benefit that the antioxidants in cacao offer is that they have specific protection against sun damage to skin. So the flavonoids um, in this case, and flavonoids really have this amazing effect. And I think from my understanding, like the fruits that have a lot of flavonoids in them and plants have a lot of flavonoids in them, use those flavonoids to protect themselves from the sun. And I think that that would be an interesting case in the case of chocolate because it's grown in such hot, sunny climates too that, I mean, you think that these the chemistry within the plant is also protecting it from sun damage and then can help to protect us from sun damage. So not only does it um, improve blood flow to our skin, it can increase skin density and hydration. It supports collagen production based on some of the minerals that are in it. And it decreases the chances of getting sunburn. And I think that there's, um, I'm sure there's specific chemistry as to why that is. I did not take note specifically of that. But not only that, but if we do have a sunburn, it can increase the healing time after the sunburn occurs. And that is, from my understanding, it's eating it. It's not like you're slathering yourself in 
chocolate, although it makes me wonder, like, what cocoa butter, what effect that would have on our skin topically. I mean, I know you can buy it and add it to lotions and creams or apply it topically if you wanted. Um, but I really think that in this case that they're talking more about eating chocolate. Something to dig deeper in to if you are interested. Again, um, the chocolate has interesting effects where it really can like relate with the vagus nerve that is really in charge of um, our fight and flight versus our rest and digest states of being. So whether we're like really like in a stress state or in a calm state and it can really help to like support us when we are in stress states and help us to move more toward calm states. It can decrease uh, stress hormones in the body and also increase feel good chemicals in the body. And then also in its connection with the vagus nerve, from my understanding, is that it can also help relieve like people who have chronic coughs or, and this is the theobromine specifically, um, if you have chronic coughs or if you have um, like a nervous cough where it's not like, it's not even necessarily related to the lungs, it's more related to the vagus nerve or the nervous system in general, uh, chocolate can actually be really beneficial in easing those. And also it has been compared in scientific studies um, with cough medicines, pharmaceutical medicines, where it actually is more effective, the theobromine and the chocolate, in relieving coughing and spasmodic coughing and to really open the airways. And I remember when I was first in herb school, uh, KP Kulsa, I remember specifically hearing that, you know, for if someone's having an asthma attack um, or is like really having asthmatic issues, I mean, you don't want to mess around with that too much, but if you just happen to have a cup of hot chocolate there um, at the ready, then it can really help to kind of relax and calm those spasms and that like constriction and making it hard to breathe. So something to play around with if that is uh, a concern that you deal with and potentially even eating chocolate preventatively. So lots of great health benefits and I'm sure that, you know, we will learn more as time goes on. I feel like there's not a ton of scientific studies on chocolate necessarily. Um, I guess maybe because it's already so popular and probably there's tons of money in the industry anyway that they don't necessarily need to sell people on its health benefits. Um, and so they don't really need to pay for the scientific studies. Again, this is all conjecture for me. Like, I really don't know, but... Um, Interesting to think about anyhow. So let's talk about how to consume chocolate. So like I said, we really want to get in those upper percentages of dark chocolate, anything above 70%. I really like 90%. And my local um, grocery store sells a 90% dark chocolate lint, the company lint bars. And that is actually really tasty and my favorite. But I recently was like reading the ingredients on the back of it. And it is treated, it's like it says that it, and I was reading the back of the packaging. And it says that the cocoa powder is treated with the alkalizing agent. And... That is usually, so I did a little research into that, and I guess also called Dutch processed cocoa, or Dutch cocoa, or alkalized cocoa, and it's when the cocoa solids that have been treated with an alkalizing agent to reduce their natural acidity, and to give them less of a bitter taste and a darker color compared to quote-unquote natural cocoa that is extracted with the broma process. 
The Broma process is a method of extracting cocoa butter from roasted cocoa beans, and it consists of hanging bags of roasted cocoa beans in a very warm room above the melting point of cocoa butter, and then allowing the cocoa butter to drip off the beans and then collecting it. The Dutch process adds an additional processing step to the Broma process, whereby after the cocoa butter has been drained off the beans, the beans are then soaked in an alkaline solution to make them chemically neutral. So this, I guess, has some pros and cons. The pro being that if you like to have more alkalinized food, um, then this is one way to have a less acidic chocolate. And it's going to kind of tastes better, but it's also thought that this alkalizing process can reduce the antioxidant content of the chocolate and potentially, you know, make it less healthy. So if you're really going, like if you're really going for the medicinal benefits of the chocolate, you might want to look for something that is not an alkalized cocoa powder. And it will say, it has to say on the ingredient list if it has been al processed with alkali is kind of what it will say on the back, or it will say Dutch processed. So I was kind of like bummed that, you know, my favorite chocolate has that, but then there's kind of, there's some mixed views on that. Some people say like, um, there's a professor, oh my goodness, no way could I ever pronounce his name, but Professor Ermgard Beach of the Institute for Ernehrungswissenschaft at the Justice Liebig University Geisen claims that the reduction of antioxidants due to the process is not significant and that enough polyphenols and procyanidins remain in the cocoa. And that is, um, you know, one study determined that about 60% of the natural cocoa's original antioxidants are destroyed by what's called light dutching which is like light alkalizing, I guess, and 90% are destroyed by heavy dutching. Um, but the natural cocoa has such high levels of antioxidants that even 60% reduction leaves, still leaves it high on a list of antioxidant-rich foods. But then that makes me think, well, if you, if you have that extra 60%, then wow, that's even more amazing. Or maybe you just eat, you don't have to eat as much chocolate to really get this, these amazing antioxidants. So things to consider when you're out there reading your uh, chocolate labels and deciding which dark chocolate you're going to try next. I mean, there are so many, especially if you go to health food stores or food co-ops, the amount of chocolate bars, especially like high percentage dark chocolate is really fun and pretty amazing. Um, the, another benefit actually to the alkalized cocoa powder is that it has three times less caffeine in it. So if you are caffeine sensitive or if you are pregnant or nursing and you feel um, really sensitive to the caffeine, then sometimes the alkalized might be better. So there was a study where 100 grams of unsweetened cocoa powder processed with alkali contained 78 milligrams of caffeine uh, versus 100 grams of unsweetened cocoa powder without alkali contains 230 milligrams of caffeine. So something, you know, pros and cons to everything, I guess. But I will definitely, I'm kind of bummed. I think I still will get my favorite 90% lint bars, but I also will probably look for some other unalkalized. And then it will be interesting to compare the flavor and see. So there's that way of consuming chocolate. And then there's hot chocolate, of course. You could even add um, spices to it or chili powder if you want to go really traditional. Uh, 
just, you know, again, like the Swiss Miss hot chocolate. I had some of that the other night and I was just like, oh, this stuff is horrible. It's like barely chocolatey. It's mostly sugar and um, not so not so tasty. But if you can get like a drinking chocolate, that's basically powdered cacao and then you can add your own sugar to it. Um, and you can even add some like bittersweet chocolate chips to it and then just warm it on the stove with some milk or cream. And then you can sweeten it to your liking. Basically, you could sweeten it with honey or maple syrup or a little bit of white sugar, whatever floats your boat. And it, really, you don't need much. I mean, when you, when you drink dark chocolate, it's so rich that it really does not take much. Then you can also get uh, nibs, cacao nibs, which are basically the dried fermented cacao beans that have been cracked. But that's, you know, it's at that stage. And you can do a lot of different fun things with the nibs. I always like to have some on hand. And so some different ideas. They, it's basically just like a little bitter crunch, but with like a hint of that chocolate flavor. So you can toss cacao nibs into your smoothies. You can add them to baked goods. Um, you can mix them in with nut butters. You can stir them into oatmeal. You can mix them in like with a gorp or like a fruit and nut energy mix snack blend. You can add them to coffee drinks like lattes and cappuccinos. You could use them in savory sauces like barbecue sauces and moles. You could crust a steak or duck with crushed cacao nibs for a unique flavor or even like dust a hamburger with it. You could um, add them into hot chocolate. Um, you could add them. This is one thing I like to do is you make the those like nutritious energy ball snacks where it's nut butters and dried fruits that have been rehydrated all blended together and nuts and coconut and whatever anything you want to basically throw into a food processor that has nut butter in it so you can make a rounded out with into some ball snack balls you could put the cacao nibs in there or in granola or on top of your yogurt or your yogurt with granola. So basically just kind of a nice little sprinkle that you can add to food for the cacao nibs. So lots of different ways that we can incorporate chocolate into our daily life for some high antioxidant, heart health, uh, blood sugar level health, and nervous system health. Go out and get some dark chocolate today. I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Herb Rally podcast. If you haven't already checked them out, definitely do so. They have a huge library of amazing podcast material from a huge range of different herbalists out there and they recently um, highlighted one of my podcast episodes so I want to thank Mason and the Herb Rally crew for that. Um, also Nourish Yourself online class if you want to incorporate nourishing herbal infusions and really dive deep into five common herbs that build health but you don't know where to start um, or you just feel like you would like a little accountability and community to help you start and build a new daily habit of herbal nourishment, then join us at Nourish Yourself. You can find it on my website, Solidago Herb School. We're going to have two live classes in this session of Nourish Yourself, plus you have access to previous live classes. You have access to, I think, nine different videos. Um, including bonus videos, classes of bone broths and 
herbal adaptogenic energy snacks and seaweed, cooking with kelp and all about seaweed for health. And then you get in-depth videos and information on five herbs, including oat straw, linden flower, red clover blossom, comfrey leaf, and nettle. So check those out. We'd love to have you join us. The live classes coming up for Nourish Yourself are going to be Thursday, February 24th, so in one week and from today. And then and the second one will be March 10th. So just I really want it to be engaging, community. Let's share our experiences, our questions, and let's really kind of support each other in nourishment. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.